house into this weekend retreat in the practice of loving kindness. My name's Yanai, and uh, looking forward to being here with you over this time. And uh, just taking a moment to see your faces, or as many of them as I can spot, both uh, some familiar and lovely to see, and equally fresh and new and equally lovely. Hmm. So I'd like to take some time to talk about what we'll be engaging in here together and to offer some reflection as to why we might want to be doing that and also what will support us in in that undertaking, in this endeavour. Can I just check with the volume? Is that okay? Not too loud? Not too soft? And I just also, if uh, at any time you can't hear for any reason, uh, please put your hand up and let me know. Uh, Likewise, if I'm speaking too quickly or in too strong an accent and uh, it's if it's not clear let me know it's kind of interesting to arrive here isn't it Gaia House maybe this is a, a familiar and much loved place that you come back to again and again Maybe it's somewhere you went once before, came once before, and you're kind of wondering what's it going to be like this time. Or maybe one arrives and thinks, this is interesting. This seems maybe rather nice, or maybe a little strange, or maybe a lot of different impressions. This place, Gaia House, and this retreat is, is actually something rather special, something rather precious. As a, a place, Guy House is really dedicated to the deepening in our own capacity to support and nourish our well-being, our happiness, and to contribute to the well-being and the happiness of others through the way we live our lives. And to come into such a place is actually, I think, something rather lovely. Many places we might go in our lives are much more oriented towards extracting as much cash from us or potentially as much sweat from us as uh, they can, depending whether it's somewhere we go to make money or somewhere we go to spend it. And it's easy for life to be oriented around those rather more, I could say, material values that have to do with the quite appropriate activities of taking care of our well-being in the world and providing for ourselves, of course, that has its place, its importance. And yet, for all that we need to take care of that in life, I imagine you wouldn't be here if you didn't understand there are more things that we need to take care of than just that kind of survival function, getting a roof over our heads and uh, food on our table is of course very important and yet in our life and in this world it's sometimes easy to imagine that that's really all that we're supposed to be doing producing and consuming and yet as, as people, as human beings 
I think there's a natural sense within us all that speaks to a possibility or a potentiality within us for more than just survival, for more than just kind of getting by in the world. That as beings with hearts, we feel very deeply our life. Sometimes that's not easy and we aren't always sure we want to, but nonetheless we do. Whether or not we allow ourselves to be in contact with that, life touches us deeply and touches all beings, in fact, deeply. And in recognizing that and seeing that in this life there can be both many beautiful and wonderful things and equally experiences and situations of pain, of struggle, of conflict, of suffering, that the rather natural wish arises in our hearts to to bring into this world what we can to to free our own hearts and to contribute to the freeing of the hearts of others, to care for our own well-being and for others too. And really this is what this weekend will be about, exploring a particular way in which we can engage with our experience and with ourselves that enables us to begin to tap into the the very natural capacity we all have for caring, for kindness, for love. And to allow that to begin to flow more freely within our hearts and within our lives. Now, Some of you may have just come along to this weekend because it was the one that was free in your calendar and the topic was one you didn't give much attention to. And others of you may have chosen it specifically because this is something that feels important or meaningful to you. In the practice of loving kindness, which I'll speak quite a, at quite length over the days of this weekend, is one in which we're learning to turn towards something that is already within us. We're not seeking to manufacture or create something that is somehow absent. So it's as well as a path of cultivation, it's equally a path of discovering or rediscovering our own natural capacity for kindness and for caring. And this practice is a little different than the forms of meditation that some, in fact many of you will have practiced in the form of uh, vipassana or insight meditation, mindfulness-based practices, where one is orienting primarily towards simply being aware of one's experience. In this, in this practice, we'll be inviting a very particular field of possibility within our experience to be developed. And this is the, the field, the area of the heart. Before speaking more about that, I'd just like to say a little more about the, the context of the retreat. If we look at the newspapers or read the news, sorry, listen to the news on the radio or the television, the uh, internet is probably where we get our news these days, on websites. It's reasonably clear, I think, it's reasonably apparent that there's an immense amount of suffering in the world. There's an immense amount of fear. 
of greed, of anger, of cruelty. And probably if you're like me and like many, at times one wonders, gosh, you know, does it have to be like this? Do human beings, do people have to live in such a way where there is so much conflict, so much violence, so much fear? And we might also, when looking at our own lives and looking into our own hearts, see at times, of course, the seeds of the same things that fill newspapers in the places within our own hearts where we find fear, where we find anger, where we find craving and greed. And without judging or blaming ourselves or others for the fact that this is part of what we discover in ourselves, letting there be a clear recognition of what is there, seeing, oh yes, this seems to be part of what it is to be who I am. This is the basis for finding a, a willingness, finding an interest, perhaps even a, a deep commitment to transforming our lives, to transforming our hearts. That through opening to the way the world is, through opening to the way our own hearts are, quite organically then, we can find the courage and the commitment and the, the heartfulness, in fact, that it needs, that our life asks of us to bring. And this is a very precious thing to undertake. Although it may seem that much of the world is just spinning faster and faster, people chasing one thing or another. And the idea of coming and spending a weekend in silence at Gaia House may to many of our friends or family seem or workmates seem weird or bizarre or evidence that we've, you know, finally gone cuckoo. And yet to me there's something incredibly sane about wishing to cultivate kindness in our hearts. About being willing to step away from the busyness and the rush and the pressure that so many of us live our lives in. Running, running, running from one thing to another. Never quite able to catch up with ourselves, let alone whatever it is that we're pursuing. And just allow ourselves to begin to slow down, to land in our lives, in our hearts, where we are. This is one of the most sane things that we could ever do. And it's something that in engaging in, we become part of, we, we participate in a, in a lineage of people, of women, of men, who throughout the ages, through all times and all places in history and around the world, have undertaken spiritual practice, have chosen to make the courageous effort to awaken their hearts. And so, although it may not seem the majority occupation or activity, it's like there's this 
steady, if one looks through history, the steady and regular proportion of people who choose to make spiritual values the centre of their life. And so, although this weekend is really just a weekend and stands in some ways on its own, for me it's not about just a weekend's event where you come along and maybe learn some useful meditation (laughs) technique that will hopefully contribute to your well-being and happiness, but it's, it's part of something that's larger. And in the context of the particular teachings and practices we'll be using, they're drawn from the Buddhist tradition, from the teachings of the Buddha, a human being, a man who lived two and a half thousand years ago and who reflected on the same questions perhaps you have reflected on in your life, who was interested and committed himself to discovering freedom, to opening his heart, to living with loving kindness for all beings. And through his commitment and dedication came to understand that this was truly possible for each of us and to teach and to encourage all of us in this way. So that's kind of the larger context of coming to practice meditation here for this weekend, for this retreat at Gaia House. And just looking around, I kind of wonder, what have you come here with? What joys and what sorrows may be in your life at this time? What uh, aspirations, dedications have you given your life to? And that's not a bad thing for oneself to reflect on with regard to oneself at this point of beginning a retreat just having a sense of what's really important for me what's really important in your life for you without having to judge it or think it's supposed to be something particular or in agreement with what I might have said because it might not be, that's fine but nonetheless that sense of turning towards or orienting oneself to that (coughs) place in our hearts, in in the depth of our being that has a sense of what is truly important, what we truly value, what we deeply love, what is precious. There's something about that that we all have. We might express it in very different ways. We might talk about truth or God or freedom or we might not have any language we want to put on it. And language isn't really required. But just that sense of what are we drawn to? What are we moved by? Because it's important that we have some contact with that when we engage in any form of spiritual practice. Otherwise it's easy for it to become something we're doing because we think we should. And we're kind of more driven by our materialistic habits of getting something or achieving something or becoming someone better or different than we were. This isn't about becoming someone different than you are. Or producing something other than what you are. But more about truly discovering what it is that we are. And one of the 
primary ways in which we discover this is through exploring that capacity of heart for kindness, for love, that experiences a, a tenderness, a sensitivity and a connection with life. So we're here, just as we are. Just however you got here is good enough. However you are and being here is just fine. In order to engage in the retreat, there are a number of different factors which come together which support what we're doing here. And first of all, there's, as I've already referred to, just that Gaia House is here, that there's this place that's been dedicated to spiritual practice for all the years that we've been running it here as a silent meditation retreat centre and for many, many years before when it was a, uh, a convent and uh, again a place of spiritual practice and the silence in the grounds and the, the care that's been given to the creation of this place and the sustaining of this place in so many ways is part of what we come into it's like coming into a field that has a certain quality to it. And maybe you notice it when you arrive. Just a sense of, of the calm or the quiet or the, the warmth of it. Of course, you, you might come and think it seems a little bit sort of strange and you're not gonna, nobody's going to talk to me and maybe it doesn't feel like that for you. But see, see what you notice. However it is, is fine in that regard. But nonetheless, there is something here that we come into. We don't have to start from the sort of complete scratch so to speak and then as a community we create the environment together for this weekend we create that together and we're all important in that we all contribute to it we all benefit from it so within the way that happens and some of this would have been mentioned I think by the manager in the talk and you'll have read about it in the in the literature but I'd just like to speak about the, really the foundations of this retreat environment. And the first is silence, that we're here together in silence. And for the most part, the retreat will be for yourselves in silence, which doesn't mean an absence of sound. There'll be plenty of sounds going on, perhaps sometimes more than we might desire, and perhaps sometimes less, but so it is. Silence is about finding a relationship with our own experience in which we're not needing somebody else to tell us we're okay. We're not needing to so much interpret or analyse what's going on and talk about it. And we're not relying on other people for our own sense of okayness in the way we often do. It's a, a way of being in solitude while nonetheless having the support of others who are doing the same. That's what silence is about on a retreat like this. It supports us to turn within, to see clearly. Silence is a profoundly powerful element of spiritual practice and found in many, many traditions as a way of allowing us to drop below the surface of our experience, which is usually in the realm of language. 
And yet silence for us can have, particularly if we're not familiar with it, if this is your first time on a retreat, it's almost for sure that somebody you know will have probably already assured you that there's no way that you can be silent for you know, a whole weekend. Or will have, if not been assured that by someone else, will have been wondering, gosh, can I do it? What's it going to be like? If you've never done it before. And yet silence is something that I invite you to consider like a warm bath. If you jump in very quickly, it might feel a bit of a shock. But if you allow yourself to just gently acclimatize to what it's like, there's something very relaxing, there's something very holding, a sense of being held, supported by silence. And yet at the same time, it, it shows us to ourselves. That's not always easy. Sometimes we keep busy, we keep active, we keep talking because we're not always comfortable to be with ourselves. And yet here's a precious opportunity to find ease and enjoyment even in being with yourself. It's like to make friends with someone. What would you want to do? How would you get to know someone? Spend some time with them is the obvious thing. And that's really what silence is about. It allows each of us to spend time with ourselves. And so for the retreat, not engaging in conversation, not engaging in the the usual hellos and good mornings and excuse me's that uh, sort of lubricate our movement through life. Of course, if it should be that you're walking down the corridor and you bump into someone or they bump into you and you accidentally say sorry or you intentionally say sorry, it's all right. You don't have to, oops, I shouldn't have, sorry, I said sorry, I didn't mean to say sorry. You know, you don't have to, it's not like somehow you're going to break anything if some sound comes out of your mouth. It's all right. But notice if there's a sense of looking for that because it's entertaining or stimulating or more often because we feel a vague sense of uncomfortableness if we're not sure that everybody else thinks we're okay. And we're used to reassuring ourselves and reassuring each other about that. It's okay if you look around and see someone. And if they happen to smile at you, that's fine. Or if you happen to smile at them, that's okay. If they happen to look at you as though you're not there, that's okay too. And if you don't want to smile at anybody, you don't have to. So sometimes it's easier not to be looking around trying to see if you do or don't want to smile or if anyone else is going to smile at you. It gets really complicated. So some people will choose, and quite rightly, to just not be doing that. But it doesn't mean you have to pretend there's nobody else there. And in fact, you might just like to take a moment right now and have a look around and see who's here. You don't have to, but I'm having to look and see. Not having to, but I'm, I have the opportunity to. And you might also just like to notice There may be someone here you know. There may be no one here you know. But by the end of this weekend, you'll have spent all this time together living with this group of people. And I can assure you from my experience over many, many years and leading many retreats and speaking to people such as yourselves that pretty reliably people tend to come along to such things who are kind and gentle folk and and not so different from oneself and uh, the various... uh, challenges that they face so uh, I can pretty confidently uh, suggest that you're amongst friends there may be friends that you don't know yet and in being in silence together we're all supporting each other we're all offering each other a gift a precious gift and so if you've come with a friend 
or a family member or your partner to offer them that gift as well as the gift to yourself of being in in silence and supporting the silence for this retreat. There will be some opportunities for talking. There will be some um, group interviews where I'll meet with you and talk about your practice. There will be a question question and answer session tomorrow morning. Um, And there will be plenty of talking coming from me, as you can already guess. Um, So so there will be some uh, opportunity for, for listening and a little opportunity for speaking. But in that silence, we have the chance to just be more in touch with ourselves. The meditation practice, the metta meditation we'll be using is one in which we employ words. It's not that there's anything wrong with words. There's nothing bad about language in itself. But learning to make it something more that serves us rather than something that drives us. Language is a tool and a vehicle and a powerful one. But it can somehow become something that dominates us if we're not aware of how that happens. And our world is one that's very often dominated by language, lost (coughs) in conceptualization. So, silence is one of the, the core foundations of the environment we create here. It allows us to move more freely, ultimately to move more freely with our experience, to not have to negotiate with everybody else. With the silence, bringing a quality of simplicity to your time here. Life can be so full of things to do, projects to complete, achievements to fulfill, lists to tick off. And while you're here, I suggest that you really give yourself a break from all of that. Don't use this time to fulfill any great ambitions you may have had, apart from the ambition, if you had it, of just coming along, which, uh, of course, you've already managed that, so you can tick that one and forget about it. If you brought something to do in the spare time, like read a book or knit some socks or something like that, uh, in case this, you know, it's a bit boring or something like that, I'd really strongly... More than encourage you, I really ask you very clearly, don't get involved with anything like that. Put it at the bottom of your suitcase, leave it, it'll still be there on Sunday afternoon when you go home. Likewise, if you've come with a cell phone, and you know, I have one, many of you probably have one, it might seem like it's nothing to do with the silence if you start uh, clicking away and texting someone, but it really doesn't serve or support you or the environment, and I'd really ask that you turn off your cell phones. And if you don't think you can leave it alone for a day, two days that we're here, hand it into one of the managers or myself. We'll look after it. I promise not to make too many international calls. And um, it's just a, it's just kind of like clearing space, isn't it? It's so hard these days to get away from the world. It's like with a cell phone, you don't ever have to for a moment be on your own or away from your business activities or your social activities or your whatever it might be, your family engagements. So it's like just putting things down, putting things away. While you're here, not involving yourself, not not reading and writing, so books and uh, that, and likewise writing. If you want to have a very brief note of something that was said that seems useful for you, that's okay. Or if you have a practice of journaling regularly, 
You could make a very brief entry in your journal, but this is not the weekend to begin your journaling practice if you've never done it before. Please don't do that. And it might well be that you could actually live for two days without reading or writing. And uh, that would be a great gift to yourself. Because again, nothing wrong with those things, but I don't know if anyone else notices this, but life has this way of filling up. Anyone else has that experience? You know, we think, God, I could do with some more space. Maybe I'll go on a retreat. Then as soon as we make the plan for going on a retreat, our mind starts thinking, so what am I going to fill up that retreat with? You know, well, I'll work on opening my heart. That sounds good. How big can I do it? How, much will, how far will I get? We make a project out of it. It's like now I've got to succeed at doing this meditation or learning how to do it really well so I can you know, tell all my friends. You don't have to do that to yourself here. It's not required. It's like turning up and engaging with what will be invited, what I'll speak about in terms of instructions. That will be plenty. And again, that sense of keeping things simple. There's a way in which in our hearts we can relax when we're not facing some great list of things we have to get done. Where we're not putting ourselves under pressure to say, achieve, succeed, produce. Under the impression or from the perspective which is common that we'll be judged and we'll be valued on how much we've produced, how well we've achieved, how often, how highly we've succeeded. That, that kind of tendency is so strongly in us. And one of the effects it has is it tightens us in the body and in the heart. And we, we, we live in fear. We live under pressure. And it's so hard to contact the natural caring and warmth of our hearts when we're feeling afraid, when we're feeling under pressure to, to perform, or to produce, to succeed according to some externally measured criteria, which may come from others or which we may have internalized as ourselves. Even just the idea that we somehow have to be good or get better in any way at all. It's like a pressure on us, isn't it? And that's not actually what helps. To have an aspiration to grow, to open, to awaken, of course, beautiful. In fact, not just lovely, but necessary in spiritual practice. But not to have some kind of map or measurement of what that's going to look like, how long it should take, and what it'll turn out to be when I get there. Because we don't know that. And we can't know that. And we don't (coughs) need to know that in order to engage in practice, in order to grow and awaken. So keep it simple. Just see what unfolds for you here. See what's possible for you here. See if you can let go of any expectations you might have brought with you about what it should be like, what it will be like, whether they're based on previous experience. And who knows, it may be similar to the last time you did this, it may be completely different. Or if it's just based on what you've heard or read, who knows what it will be like.
but we'll know what it will be like as it happens. And that's early enough. The third foundation of the environment we create together is based in the precepts and the sense of being here with a spirit of care and concern for the welfare of all that lives. We undertake the precepts in uh, the context of Buddhist practice and teaching, Dharma teachings as we call them, as a way of aligning and orienting ourselves towards the well-being of life, understanding that we ourselves don't wish to be harmed or hurt, then naturally it makes sense to refrain from causing harm to others. And the precepts are an expression of this as a way of orienting, again, (coughs) aligning ourselves towards something that is possible for us, to refrain from taking life, from harming living beings intentionally. And to see that all beings care for their life as deeply as we care for our own. Have a sensitivity to life. It's so important, so powerful. To refrain from taking things that don't belong to us or misusing things that aren't ours. Seeing, seeing how when that happens to us, it's really painful and annoying. We get angry. Someone sort of damages our things or takes our things. It creates a strong reaction. And so not doing that. Of course, you know, not expecting people are going to come along here and be uh, sort of, you know, pinching each other's meditation cushion or whatever like that. But it's more like just having that intention, oh, respect for things. Refraining from harmful expressions of sexuality, the third precept. In the context of a retreat, that means being celibate. Not because there's anything wrong with sexuality, although it's a potent energy and has its place in our life of course, can be a very beautiful thing but uh, in the context of a retreat to not be operating from that place of uh, looking for either gratification or engagement with others more just allowing each of us to be here to be more simple in our natural and essential human beingness rather than uh, looking looking to others for something that we might want from them or they might be able to give to us in any way in fact but uh, in that context refraining from intentional sexual activity for the time you're here and again you know, people tend to say well, it's not much chance really is there we're all in silence How, you're not going to sort of strike up a good conversation um, and yet just to notice how we can be looking around sometimes when we're kind of looking for you know, that, that just simple classification of interesting, maybe interesting, not so interesting, you know, that we do sometimes. All of us do it. It's, you know, well, I don't know if all of us do it, but it seems pretty common anyway. Um, and just seeing, oh, we don't need to do that here. And just, actually, no. yeah, everybody's interesting in one sense. Human beings, remarkably interesting things. Uh, and the fourth precept, refraining from causing harm through speech. So primary support for that in this retreat will be through maintaining and supporting the silence. But also being aware of 
how when we speak to speak what is true, what feels useful and right. If we're speaking in maybe a group interview or needing to sort something out with a manager around a work period or practical things, just coming and seeing if we can speak what's true. Something very powerful about aligning ourselves with truth. Having the courage, the honesty, the openness to speak what is true. But also the sensitivity to check and see what is useful in how we speak. And the fifth precept is to refrain from the use of alcohol, intoxicants, drugs, substances which cloud the mind, cause carelessness and often lead to regret and suffering for ourselves, for others. And again, this may seem like a sort of a straightforward suggestion and yet there can be not uncommon for people that this can be a challenge and a struggle in life at times. And the sense of solidarity, of community, of all committing ourselves to refraining from the use of alcohol or intoxicants, drugs, for this time here together, creating an environment that's free and safe with regard to all of that. And at the same time, of course, acknowledging that if you're using any medicine for sort of, you know, um, for your health and well-being, of course, please do continue to make use of such uh, such medicine. But all the, the, the precepts, expressions of a sensitivity and a caring for life, and a, a basis for creating an environment of safety. Safety with each other, but equally importantly, safety with ourselves. So that we actually feel safe in our own commitment to non-harming. There's a, there's a way in which we can relax when we know, when we've undertaken in ourselves, now I'm just not going to choose a pathway that leads to causing harm to others. I don't want to do that. Even if it might give me some, you know, temporary benefit, you know, Kind of don't know where it might occur. The idea that one could possibly elbow one's way to the front of the lunch queue because one's really hungry, you know. You'd get to eat your meal a bit earlier, but obviously the uh, the potential for suffering in that would be obvious and considerable, and not necessary. It's like being able to just respecting life around us. When we do that, rather interestingly, what we also, I think, naturally find is a deepening of respect for ourselves. By respecting and caring and cherishing, caring for and cherishing others, we, at the same time, are deepening in our respect, our caring for and our cherishing of our own life. Because ultimately these things are not separate. And this really lies at the heart of spiritual teaching, to understand this, that we are not separate. We are not apart in the way we imagine ourselves to be from each other, from life. And this practice of loving-kindness meditation is one that we engage with both from some degree of understanding this and yet also as a way of deepening our understanding this, a sense of connection, of caring, the, the heart and the sense of warmth or friendliness or care or love or tenderness or sensitivity or warmth that we can and at times do encounter and experience in ourselves and in others it speaks to us quite naturally and directly and without words it speaks to us of that deeper dimension of life in which we are not segregated or separated or set apart from each other or anything. 
And so that's something I'll speak about more over the weekend. But with this intention, we come here, we make the journey, we arrive at Gaia House, this place that's here, supported by many people's practice, many people's effort, work, and care. Making the intention to form this environment of silence, of simplicity, of non-harming and respect. And this is really the environment in which we can most beneficially and most effectively, we could say, engage in meditation practice. So we're really giving ourselves an immense support by having brought ourselves into these conditions and established them together. Because meditation practice isn't always easy. It might sound rather lovely, oh, come along, you know, cultivate loving kindness. Sounds good, open my heart, yeah, I'll take some of that, please, and, you know, put extra to take home as well would be good. And I'm not saying that it's something that has to be difficult, but most times for many of us, when we engage directly with our experience, when we seek to contact that which is deep and precious and profound and beautiful within us, there are obstacles, there are challenges. We're arriving tired and maybe scattered from our life, pressured and stressed and maybe having recently encountered difficult circumstances that are still with us, vibrating in our bodies, spinning in our minds. So many different things we can come here with and all of that is part of our retreat for each of you, for each of us. Whatever we bring is part of what's here. That doesn't mean it has to define or dominate what is possible. But it's not that somehow we abandon our life in order to be on retreat. Because this heart, this mind, this body that you'll be practicing through this weekend with, it's the same one that you live with your life. Live your life through and in. So we're not somehow putting all that away and yet stepping into this environment, bringing ourselves into it. And the practice of loving-kindness meditation is based on being able to simply connect with where you are. Allow yourself to arrive right here. And turning towards that which enables you to care or to connect with a sense of caring, with a sense of warmth, with a sense of friendliness. It's about finding for yourself what works. It's very pragmatic and practical in that sense to see what supports, what enables you in this situation or in any situation you might encounter to reconnect in that way, to open your heart. Now, some of you will have done this practice perhaps quite some considerable degree and uh, feel free to kind of pick up and engage with your practice as you wish. For those of you who are new, the way that I would like to invite you to begin with this practice, and I'll speak about this, and you're, of course, equally welcome if you've practiced before um, to to follow as I'm going to introduce this, to, to begin with a more simple process of just contacting our experience 
being in touch with our bodies and our breath in a very simple, open and gentle way. As the basis for connecting with ourselves. And from that place of connection we will then begin to more directly and actively cultivate the capacity of loving kindness. But this movement to connecting, to touching into to being with ourselves is part of that cultivation. The movement of loving kindness is to turn towards life with openness and with care. And to receive it, to meet it as it is. And yet to bring to that situation, that experience of our heart as it is, another person as they are, to bring to them a sense of caring. To bring to our sense, ourselves a sense of caring. So that's how we'll begin. But before giving some instructions for that, speaking about that a little more, just aware you've been uh, sitting for quite a while and bodies may be feeling a little uh, either uncomfortable or possibly a little drowsy. And if you'd like to uh, stand up and stretch or move your body or do anything that'll uh, give some ease or bring some energy, please feel very free and welcome to do so. We'll be here for another 15 or maybe a little more minutes, so uh, please don't disappear at this point if you can manage. But just notice what it's like to let your body move a little bit. Sometimes we think, you know, meditation, it's all about sitting there and not moving. As though we're somehow going to dominate our bodies with force of will and effort. It's not really about that. Really more allowing yourself to relax into your body. Practice we'll be doing, it's more important that you come from a sense of sensitivity and friendliness than that you get yourself or make yourself do something that looks like what you think it's supposed to. So, yeah, just moving your body. Noticing if anything was a bit sore from that sitting. Just being gentle with that. When you feel like you've done what you need to do, you can find your way back down to the cushion. No rush, or the seat, or the bench, or the chair, as you wish. get some more out and uh, likewise there are benches that you can use to sit on to kneel on there's no requirement to have to sit cross-legged on the floor if that's not something that you find working for you but if you haven't tried it before it's also good to explore it and see in this practice it's fine to change your posture if you need to And it's also sometimes useful to not change every time there's a little discomfort, but not to feel like you have to fight with your body. I hope I will remember to say that more than once, but uh, please, if I don't, remember it from this time. uh, You don't need to fight with your body here. To support your practice, 
allow your body to be at ease so far as you can. I know that's not something we can always experience because you know bodies being bodies, sometimes they ache or sometimes they're tired, sometimes they're agitated or restless. But uh, just to give your body the space to be how it is. And so coming into the meditation to begin with, starting from that, just that sense of noticing your body that's here. What's it like? How does it feel? You know, is it tired? Is it achy? Is it sore? Is it tight? Does it feel soft or warm or loose or relaxed? Or some mixture of all of those and perhaps more besides? Just noticing what it's like to feel your body. If you don't have any sense of your body sitting here, it's kind of like, well, what's that? Just, you know, take a moment with your hand to notice your body. Maybe your hands are on your thighs or on your leg or your belly or just notice what it's like, your body, just here. Notice the soft, open hand of your palm, what that's like. You don't have to do this, but if you feel so moved, you can just bring your hand into contact with your body for a few moments just to notice what it's like. It's like making gentle and friendly contact with your body. You can do that simply with your attention by just feeling it. Sometimes using the hand supports that. It's not required, but if you find it useful, very welcome to do that. Feeling what it's like to be in your body and sitting on the ground, on the earth, whether on a cushion, a bench or a chair, just the sense of what's firm beneath you, what you feel your weight resting on is for the purposes of what I'm speaking about. This is the earth, this is solidity. Just notice you can rest on that. You can allow yourself to relax. You don't have to hold yourself up here in the sense of there's something here you can rest on. And from that sense of resting on the earth, on the seat or cushion or bench, just also then allowing your body to be extended upright. So it's not rigid or forced, but there's a sense of upright extension, a sense of openness that that brings in the chest and abdomen when we're, when we're not sort of leaning forward or crumpling over. But without it being rigid or tight. And relaxing with that uprightness. So we're upright, alert and yet relaxed and at ease. Just noticing how your body feels as you do that. <coughs> there may be ways in which it doesn't feel relaxed. That's okay, notice that. Or ways in which it doesn't feel upright. That's alright, notice that. So we're orienting towards a possibility. We're not trying to produce some kind of particular result. Just seeing what is it like to be relatively upright, relatively relaxed, so far as that's possible for you. It's like establishing the place to meditate. We've started establishing more of the external level. We're moving in. Establishing the place for your practice 
in terms of your body. This is what we're doing. And to begin, I'd invite you to notice the experience of your breathing. Perhaps taking one or two deeper breaths if you wish so it's really clear for you that there's this experience of breathing happening. And seeing if you can notice what it feels like as the as the breath moves into and through your chest region. Just noticing that every time you breathe in the chest expands. Rises, lifts, opens. And every time you breathe out, the chest contracts, softens, falls, releases. If you don't feel too much going on there, you can bring your hand and just gently place it in the center of your chest or the sternum just uh, to give yourself some support and being able to feel that experience so it's not too distant or faint and just taking a few moments to gently experience yourself right here breathing through the area in the center of your chest You may feel the sense of the breath moving there. You may feel the sense of the your clothing touching your skin as that moves. Just noticing what it's like. And as a way of establishing ourselves, as a way of connecting with ourselves and being here, embodied, Just for now, giving your attention to this experience, resting your attention in this experience, breathing through this region of the body, the heart center, the region in the center of the chest, where the heart beats and where often we experience significant elements of our emotional life. But not looking for anything particular there, just feeling what you notice as you breathe. And if you become aware of something else or you find your mind starting to think about other things, just gently and yet clearly bring your attention back to this experience. It's like inviting yourself to come back into contact. Seeing if you can do so in a friendly way. It's like inviting someone to come over to your house for a cup of tea. It's like, this is the place, come here, come back, reconnect. 
So it's not like if your attention goes off somewhere else, that's a bad thing. You failed or done something wrong. It's just, oh, that's what happened. Huh, okay. Come back. If you start thinking about something else, just begin again. When you notice where you are, that's all you need to do to reconnect. And this process of reconnecting is is part of what supports us connecting to our hearts. The tendency to be distracted and lost thinking about other things not present, not in touch. This leads to a lot of disconnectedness. And so establishing a sense of reconnection. As a support for our heart. Just coming back again and again. If you feel drowsy, it can be useful to keep the eyes open. Not looking around, but just softly focused in front of you. And just continuing to notice whatever it is that you experience as you breathe in the heart region, the centre of your chest. Or throughout the whole chest region, in fact. Not expecting something particular. Not trying to analyse what is there. But just noticing it, connecting with it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.